Hello, welcome to another episode of our podcast today. And today I'm going to be sharing with you from the word of God as usual. I'm going to be sharing with you concerning the word of God and what it says about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Let's be clear about something. Whatever the word of God doesn't say, the power of God doesn't back. So you may have your opinions, presumptions, assumptions, ideas, whatever it is you have about the word of God, about God himself. If it is not what he says, is not going to back it up with power not going to happen forget it so what does he say about forgiveness forgiveness means that the one who has the power to forgive you who has the power to let go the one whom you have wronged decides to forgive decides to let you go shows mercy to you and so forgives you for what you did for example if you wronged your parents and you say dad mom I'm sorry what I did was wrong I'm sorry. And they see that you are repentant, you have a contract, contrite spirit, and decide, oh, okay. Do you know what you did is wrong and that it shouldn't repeat itself? Yes. As good parents, not only would they forgive you, they would want to make sure it doesn't repeat itself. You don't do the same thing again. So they go on from just uh, forgiving you, they go from that to helping you be a better person. Uh, obviously, what you did wrong was most likely done out of ignorance or lack of training, education, awareness, information. So, what you lack that made you to do what you did? Good parents, good teachers, good guardians, good leaders would help you to have what you didn't have so that you will not repeat that. In other words, they will strengthen your weakness and make it your strength. That's what it means. So forgiveness is you did wrong, you apologize, or whatever. I mean, you're sorry and you know it and you're, you've repented. You know, in other words, you see what you did is wrong and you say, please forgive me. In other words, show mercy. Yeah. So, forgiveness is very important. We need to forgive one another. Yes, you need to forgive of your past uh, hurts, those who have hurt you in the past. You need to forgive those who are hurting you right now. You need to forgive those who would hurt you in the future. But there's something very interesting that I want to discuss with you about forgiveness. I mean... What really is forgiveness? Because I see a lot of people saying things about forgiveness that has nothing to do with forgiveness. You know? I mean, for example, someone does something wrong and they said, I'm sorry. And they said, because I said I'm sorry, you should not seek to correct me, to punish me. In other words, I don't want to bear the consequence of what I did. Yes. That's what many people think forgiveness is. So, is it right? Someone, maybe your security guy. Or let me use another example. Maybe... um, Someone that works for you decides, or maybe they broke a vase, or they broke a mirror, or they broke the handle of a door, or 
they broke a closet something like that and you see it and you ask who did this and they lie about it two things they broke it and they lied about it okay then eventually you find out they are the ones and they are caught and there's no way to deny it any longer and you say okay all right do you admit you did this and they said yes sir now they admit they did it they say i know i did it then there are a few things i want to point out in this scenario are they sorry that they did what they did or are they sorry they got caught two different things if they are sorry they did what they did aha that's good if they are sorry they got caught in other words if you let them go they will make sure they don't get caught the next time so they are mad at themselves for getting caught not for what they did no they are not sorry about that so they say forgive me what would you do i won't keep such a person around me who is not sorry for what they did who is only mad at themselves that they got caught in other words they would do it again without remorse because they don't have remorse now the only regret they have is that they got caught so i'll forgive you but i won't keep you around me and sometimes your punishment the punishment for such people may actually be the mercy you show to them now we are talking on earth here Alright, so in the case where the person is sorry for what they did and a really sorry person would even offer to pay for damages. They would offer to do something to pay and make up for what they did. Such a person, you should just forgive them. You should just let them go. Why? You are so mercy. Should let them go. What about the person that is not sorry for what they did? What do you do? What does God expect you to do? In the Old Testament, it says if a thief is caught, mm-hmm, he will pay back. He said if he is caught and is told to feed himself or his family, he said when he is caught, he will be made to pay back. So he has to pay back. What is to? You say, what does that mean? I'll tell you. What you are calling mercy and forgiveness is not what it is. Find out what it is today. You don't understand that you are part of a system. And that a misunderstanding of what leadership is and what your responsibilities are, not just to your immediate self, and those uh, around you, but to the larger body of which you are a part of, the ecosystem of which you are a part of. What you do that looks insignificant can affect the whole and come back. In other words, it can multiply, be compounded and come back to hurt you in the future if you don't handle it right. Forgiveness is not letting go. Forgiveness is taking care of what happened. Settling it according to truth, to righteousness, to the word of God. People don't get that. Don't judge. Yeah, just wait for me to finish. Just wait. Because I know what you are probably thinking. Oh, it's judgmental. Relax. Relax. Wait. You will soon see. Have you heard of people who were guilty and were pleading and they let them go? They were in prison and they let them go only for them to come out and go and do the same thing. And this time around, they killed someone. Do you know how many judges have such terrible remorse? They thought they were doing good. I'm going somewhere, don't judge. Now, anything you do, let me give you an example from scriptures. The Bible says, there are certain sins 
in the camp of the of Israel and in the in all of Israel that if those sins are committed by certain people they are removed from the community and killed why is it so that it doesn't spread so that it doesn't spread does that mean when you are interacting with people and someone does you wrong it's not just about you you are part of a whole it's like poison if let's say a person got stung by poisonous scorpion or beaten by a poisonous snake and they don't treat it and the poison is at the feet or foot and they do nothing about it they say after all it is the foot the foot says oh it's, it's just anyway it doesn't concern all the rest of you it doesn't concern the head the arm the uh, the loins the torso and everywhere this poison would not just stay at the foot it will spread to the rest of the body and destroy the whole body. Everything will be destroyed. That is why once gangrene, I hope I got that right, sets into a wound, they cut it off or else it will spread and destroy the rest of the body. Now, sounds severe, right? I'll tell you why. That's the reason. But is that the best solution God has? No. Did you know that we were not forgiven? Our sins were not forgiven. They were not excused. They were not written off. No. Our sins were judged. Our sin was judged. Our sins were judged. Who took the judgment? Who took the punishment? Jesus. God did not know. It couldn't be cut off. It had to be dealt with. Or else it would destroy the whole of creation. It would destroy the whole of creation. It had to be dealt with. Paid for. And man could not pay for it. Man would have been totally destroyed. That's why God became a man in Jesus. And paid the price with his own life. His own blood. His precious blood. And when that was done, that was that blood was now used to cleanse the whole system, not just humans, including creation. Because all things that were put under Adam were infected, infected by the sin of Adam. They were made subject to what bondage because of the sin of Adam. So God did not forgive. He couldn't. He couldn't write it off. It was a severe thing. It was terrible. All he could do was tame it. Slow it down. Even with the slowing down, see what happened in the world. See death, destruction everywhere. What do you think would have happened if he didn't tame it, slow it down? There will be no hurt by now. Everything would have been destroyed. Everything would have been gone. Yeah, it would have been gone. So what did God do? Jesus has to come and cleanse the system with his blood. It was a severe virus. You know the kind of virus that makes you wipe off your hard disk? Not just your hard disk, but including your motherboard. Everything is wiped off. You erase everything. It's that severe. That kind of that's the way sin was until Jesus came to finally put an end to sin and start a new life. That's what he did. So, what does that mean? So, when you are saying you're forgiving someone, you have to understand that you have a responsibility to the whole community. It's like a thief comes into a community, he steals from you. He hurts you and he runs away. 
then it comes back maybe a year later and you accept him back then what do you think he's going to do no remorse no regret he will steal again and this time around he may kill you then move from you and move to other people in the community it's why you just can't take anybody in you have to consider those that are with you if you are willing to die for that person then let it be you don't endanger the lives of others around you so forgiveness is good but careless forgiveness so-called it's not really forgiveness it's just your carelessness you are just being sentimental so what do i expect you to do only god knows the details of a situation if you want to judge the bible says judge righteous judgments only god knows all the details the past the present and the future of a case he knows everything so what do you expect if you have the holy spirit who knows all things he knows who is guilty and who is innocent he knows what you need to do in that situation so let me put it this way except you have the holy ghost and you are surrendered to his leadership to him to lead you you don't know how to forgive nothing you are just being sentimental You don't know squat. You don't know anything without the Holy Ghost. Let us be clear. He is not an option. He is the only truth. He is the spirit of truth. Outside of him, no one knows. He is God himself. So what are you forgiving? You forgive a guy. He sleeps with your friend. You forgive him. You, you, you go back to him. While you are dating, he sleeps with all your friends. He says, I'm sorry. He did that several times. Then you eventually you married him. Then he continues. Now you are now. What are you? What are you saying? I, I, I forgive him. I forgive him. You forgive what? Your forgiveness is useless. You know why? Because it can't help him. True forgiveness doesn't just doesn't excuse. It attacks the root of the problem. Yes. You don't have the capacity to forgive him. You don't. Only the, in Christ do you have such capacity to locate the root of the problem and uproot it at the root. Your true forgiveness will not excuse you. True forgiveness will make you complete. Will remove the obstacle. Will remove the evil. That's true forgiveness. So what are you supposed to do? Get born again and receive the Holy Ghost. So what else do you need to do? Once you have done that, what else do you need to do? It's very simple. If someone hurts you, don't just say, I'm sorry. Pray for them. You have made yourself a living sacrifice. Let's say someone uh, hurts you real bad in any way. I mean, maybe they lied against you. They told tales about you. Uh, they stole your money or whatever. You take that case to God. And you present it to God and let him judge it. When God is done, one of two things will happen. Is either that brother or sister is safe able. That means they are not Nephilim. Nephilims are useless. Nothing can be done for Nephilim. And they live amongst us. They look like humans, but nothing can be done for them. If they are not Nephilim, that means they are safe able. So the savable person, what will happen to them is this. The power of God will flow into their lives because you have become a point of contact for God to bless them. So you receive from God true forgiveness with which to forgive them. True forgiveness is not just, I pardon you, you can go. No, it makes you whole. It makes you complete. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And it's available to us. So when somebody does anything against us, we have to take that forgiveness. We have to receive it. How? 
First, you forgive them in the place of prayer. Say, Lord, this person is like this. And I know you want the best for them. Lord, send your righteous judgment concerning this person and what they did. God will give you wisdom. He will give you words to say. He will give you power to use. When you are done, not only would you be free of the hurts, they also will be set free from the evil. That's the way it works. I know many people will teach you many things, but the truth of the matter is this. There are only two things. It's either you are with God or you are not with God. I don't see any other thing. There's only one wisdom. Outside of wisdom is foolishness. So there's no wisdom, God and wisdom and wisdom of... mm -mm. There's only one wisdom and that's the wisdom of God. Nothing else. And you won't find it in the hands of the foolish. You won't find it in the hands of the wicked. No. God does not give his treasures to wicked men. No, he doesn't. Wicked men can pray on the innocent that God blesses and use them for their own evil ends because of those ones' ignorance. That's the way it works. So that's the way it is. You're not forgiving anybody if you have not started the place of prayer and let God judge the matter. It's not God, oh God, fight for me, destroy destroy my enemies. No. It is, oh Lord, I am the one that got hurt. But Lord, I chose to forgive this person. Lord, send me your righteous judgment concerning this person. Send me your wisdom, your truth. And the next thing you could hear is, oh, God gives you the information about the person why they did what they did, the root cause of it, and says, pray against this, pray against this, pray against this, and release them. And you are empowered to do that. It's the same way you heal the sick, physically sick, the way you heal them. It's the same way you forgive. It's the same power, the same love. It's the same thing. That's what it is. Just like you have to receive the power to heal, you receive the power to forgive. It's only with God. It's not with you. What do you know? So receive it of God. And bless the people. So what do you do? Make a list of people who have hurt you that you are probably still hurting from, you know, smacking from it. Or you don't even feel anything again. But you know you have not forgiven them. Then make a list and start praying, asking for wisdom. Lord, what do I do? I what do I say concerning this person? What do I speak into their lives? And all of that. Then you will, uh, it will help you with them. Then you will speak words. And their lives will be changed. Once you have done that, trust whatever God does. Yes, trust them. Like I said, some of them may be Nephilim. He is not obligated to help the Nephilim. The Nephilim are totally against God. They are totally Antichrist. There's no salvation for the Nephilim. They may be in church. There are many of them are in church anyway. But they can't receive love. And they do have love to give. They can pretend to be loving. Oh, they are so gentle looking, many of them. They can pretend they can come to the altar, but they don't care about God or, or about Jesus or about you. A virus doesn't care, it doesn't build, a virus destroys. It destroys. You have to know this. Let God judge the matter, not you. He knows best. If you judge it yourself, you might embrace a killer and destroy a lover. Because you don't know the difference. That's why he has, he has given us the Holy Ghost. To show us all things. To reveal to us all things. The full truth. He will lead you into all truth. Complete truth. Not the few uh, things you know. Not the few details you know. The limited information you have. Not those things. Those things are insufficient to judge a matter. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Praise the Lord. So how do you do it? You pray. You take the matter to the altar. You pray about it until you receive wisdom. You receive God's judgment. It doesn't. That's not the oh Lord destroy my enemies. No.
that person you are calling <laughs> your enemy that you are asking God to kill may be the pastor of a church is not looking like it now but <laughs> he's going to do great things for God in the future you're asking God to kill him because he hurts you no sir no man trust God he will take care of your pain you will not even remember somebody hurt you when God removes the pain the thorn in your heart when he removes it and heals it and compensates you and blesses you you won't be asking God to destroy anybody then not, not only that he will protect you from future attacks from the person or similar attacks from other people that's God for you but it's done on the altar of you know of forgiveness of prayer of surrendering to God to his will Present yourself, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Praise the Lord. Alright, so that's a bit about forgiveness. I was always going to, to God, right? Always going to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's, the, that, that's where everything leads to. Christ is finished works, the Holy Spirit. That's what it is about. If you want to learn kind of things, the world has a lot of things to teach you. But if you want to learn about God, about His Word, His Spirit, that's what you learn from the due time. God bless you. So you know what to do about forgiveness and those who have hurt you. Practice it. Do it. And send us your testimonies. God bless you. Uh, there's a feature that allows you to send us messages. So please send us your message your reactions to these messages, what you think, how it has blessed you, the testimonies that have come from it. Please do not just listen, interact with us. We welcome it. Send us your questions and our things you want us to talk about and we would address those things in good time. Thank you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this ones who have listened. I pray, Lord God, that the words that you have heard will impact their life, their spirit, souls, and bodies, uh, their environment and families, their cities and communities and nations it will impact everything about them even their finances i thank you lord for they are blessed i bless them in the name of yeshua these words are filled with life filled with transformative power as they receive it and believe it and act on it they will have testimonies in jesus name amen god bless you i love you please listen again and again until you know that you know that you know and see the transformative power of the world in your life. Welcome it, accept it, surrender to it, and let it do its job. God bless you. Amen. Love you. Bye. Hello. Welcome to episode of our podcast today. And today, I want to be sharing from the Word of God, as usual, and I want to talk to you about the fight of faith. Look, you have to understand something. And I'm, sh- I'm sharing on this episode for those of you who have been listening to me. And you are encountering opposition. Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 13, he said, when offense, opposition comes because of the word. In other words, what you hear will bring forth opposition. That's what it will do. It will bring opposition. It will bring uh, the enemy towards you. Because you see, the moment you receive the word of God, the moment you believe the word of God, you attract an enemy. You say, why? Well, the reason is this. There is a gate. The Bible calls them the gates of hell. The gates of hell. Um, when... When Rebecca was being, you know, gotten from her family, and when her family were praying for her, they prayed that our seed, that is our children, will possess the gates of their enemies. 
So the gates are always going to show up the moment you get the word of God. Why? Because between you and what the word of God says is a gate, the gates of hell. And Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what is he saying? What he's saying is this. I'm going to build my church, and my church will take over all things. And the gates of hell will not be able to stop the spread, the takeover of the world, of heaven and earth. So, if the word of God prom- says something, and say this is what is for you, and God has promised you this, and this is for you, and all that, and you believe it, you have to know this. When man fell, the devils, the evil spirits, they took charge of the known treasures in the world. If you remember the temptation of Jesus Christ, when the devil said, look, these kingdoms and their glory have been given to me. I'll give it to you if you bow to me. What's he saying? When man was supposed to be in charge of all things, but he fell and that fell to the devil. So it has been given unto me. Adam gave it to him. Okay. Of course you know that. He seduced the woman and through that. You know the story. Genesis chapter 3. So, what do we find? The gates of hell are standing over treasures, over people, over cities, families, nations. And Jesus said he will build his church, that is you and I who are born again, and the gates of hell shall not keep us away from our goal, which is to save the world. So when you get any revelation of God's blessing, God's goodness, whether it's in your health, whether it's concerning your finances, your family, whatever it may be, there is always a gate trying to keep you from it. They're trying to keep you from it. So you don't expect not to meet with them. In fact, I tell people, if you pray, and you don't get opposition, you have not yet really prayed. You have not gotten there. You know, it's like when you go to a doctor and you complain about body pains or something, and the doctor starts pressing parts of that of your body. What do you think he's doing? He's trying to get to where the pain really is. So they press and press and press until you say, ow, aha, they say, okay, that's where it is. So when, until you pray and get to the place where you get a reaction from the enemy, until then, you haven't really gone far. But when you get a reaction from the gates of hell, then you are close. Because they guard those places. The most valued, most valuable treasure are the souls of men. These are the souls of men. But do not forget, in order to keep the souls alive, they need many things. Of course, chief of, of, of it is food. Men need food, men need commerce, they need treasures, they need so many things. So Satan sits upon those things because of the fall of man. Jesus Christ came, died, resurrected, and got everything back. So now all he needs to let us know is to all he needs to let us know are those things that belong to us. That is why he gave us his spirit. He gave us his holy spirit. His Holy Spirit is what we have. And He tells us what belongs to us. So when you start to pray right, pray according to the Word of God, you begin to get opposition. And it can be severe. So what do you need to do? The moment you get the Word, you sit with it. You sit with it. You meditate on it. You think it. You let you, you know, you change your mindset with it. I'll give you an example. 
Maybe you had a poverty mentality. And that's a tricky one. Because you see, some people are poor, but they don't know they are poor. Because they have money, they don't know they are poor. They are poor, they just don't know it. So, what do you do? A poor person thinks in a certain way. A rich person thinks in a certain way. The word of God changes the way you think about money. It changes your priority. It changes what you invest in. It changes what you think. The moment your thoughts are changed and they line up with the word of God, what you experience is what the word of God says. So the fight of faith is sweet. It can be tough at the beginning because you are not yet used to it. It's new to you. I mean, if it's new to you. But the moment you learn how to use the word of God to fight back, trust me, you're going to get the hang of it and you're going to enjoy it. And the moment you get the hang of it and you begin to enjoy it, you start looking for trouble to solve, problems to solve, challenges to solve. That's what you'll be looking for. Your life becomes exciting. It becomes exciting. So listen to me. Instead of you having people pray for you all the time, it's good. People should pray. We should all pray for each other. That's why we are a community, a family. We pray for each other. But we don't just pray for each other over everything like that. No. Come on. There are things you should be able to take care of yourself. For yourself. When you start to bring people in, into community prayer, that means you are handling bigger stuffs. Okay? You are handling bigger stuff. Because you see, you also have to contribute to the community of believers the community of faith. You have to strengthen yourself so that your contribution can help the overall body. So that's what we are looking at here. So the fight of faith is taking the word of God as it is and going after every nook and cranny of your life to see what does need, what doesn't align with the will of God for you? Do you know if you do this, you will have enough on you for a long time? And then, of course, there are still other problems outside of your immediate environment. I mean, if you look at your life and you look like, okay, um, the way we live in this house is not right. I mean. Listen to me. Let me put it this way. By the world standard, you may think you are okay. But by heaven's standard, no. Trust me. No. The distance is too much. The, 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 the difference is, is like light and darkness. It's just too vast. There's no comparison. They are opposites. So the best, you know, they say uh, world standard, uh, international standards you know listen to me if you have ever been to heaven then you will know the best architecture the best buildings on earth the best products on earth are nothing they are like dung compared to what the least heaven has so what does god want you to do he wants you to bring everything around you to the standard of heaven yeah the clothing the shoes, your gadgets, your homes, your houses, everything. We have power to change everything, to upgrade everything on earth to the standard of heaven. That's what we have power for. We don't wait for him to do it. He has given us everything. What do you think we need to achieve this, that he has, that he has not given to us. We have it. We have everything he has. We have his word. We have his spirit. We have his mind. What else do you want? His word, his spirit, his mind. 
We have everything. We have him. So, do you think he kept anything from us? No. The problem is that people just don't renew their minds. You are not thinking like the word of God. You are not thinking like God. That's why you're not doing things like him. You think you need to... No, no, no. You don't need to do anything extra. Just know who you are, what you are, what you've received, what you are capable of doing, and just begin to live like that. So the community of faith actually is supposed to be a place where when you go out there in the world where you have unbelievers, all kinds of evil things, you should be able to come back to people who share the same mindset with you, the mindset of the just, God's mindset, so that you can be refreshed, you can be reminded, because you don't want the mindset of the world to stay too long with you, because it will conform you to them. So that's one of the advantages of community of believers. So the fight of faith is that you take the word of God, uh, let's go to something very common, sickness. Let's look at sickness. Sickness is the standard of the world, not the standard of heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. So you can't allow sickness in your family, not even for a moment. So you have to fight the fight of faith concerning sickness. I say, look, the word of God says, I'm not supposed to be sick. So sickness is against the will of God. This is an enemy. It's not something that happens occasionally and is acceptable. No, it is not acceptable to me. I reject it. I decline it. I renounce it. I denounce it. It's an enemy. I don't want any parts with it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's all. Poverty, same thing. You do work and your work is not excellent. Come on. The best of this world is far lower than the best, the least in heaven. And now, even by the world standard, your standard is still lower than that. Totally unacceptable. How do you increase your standard? By working harder? That might help a little. But the truth is this. You start with the word of God. Because the excellence is in you. Is in you already. It's not something you ask for. It's in you. You have to say it because when you say the word of God, what God says about and say it to yourself, you say it over yourself, you say it over, over your life and your environment. What happens is that that excellence in you will come out and it will begin to take over those details of your life and begin to put things in place to match the standard of heaven. You have to fight with the word of God. You have to stay with the word of God. I'll give you an example. You have to come to a place where you don't use drugs, not even vitamins, mm -hmm. no supplements, nothing. So how do you get there? Oh, well. Let's say you, I mean, if you fall sick, you can start by taking the word. Take the communion. Of course, it might be. It's going to be probably going to be very painful at the beginning, very very painful. But if you can sweat it out, and insist on taking nothing but the word of God. The communion is the word of God because the communion is about the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. The body of Christ is the, is uh, is the word of God, that became flesh. That's what it is. It's still the word. So whether you are taking communion or you are listening to the revelation of God and you are taking the revelation into your heart, it's the same thing. All right, so you insist, oh, trust me, at the beginning is not easy for many people, but trust me, it's worth it. I just have to tell you that because, come on, you are used to taking drugs. Then all of a sudden, I'm telling you not to take drugs again. What do I expect of you? But trust me, the moment the word of God gets you off drugs, oh boy, the moment you re-engineer your mind with the word of God, 
to tell your body we don't need this because you see the physical body is neutral it is run by the spirit it could be a good spirit or a bad one okay so what do we what do we mean by spirit people think something that's just no we're talking about programming the word of god is the logos of god logos is uh Lego, Logos, you know, uh, where you get the word, uh, for me to get the word intelligence, intelligence, mindset. So when the body will go according, it's like a computer. Whatever you put in is what it will do. Whatever you program it to do is what it will do. It doesn't decide on its own. So that's the way it works. So I'm telling you, your body will do whatever you insist it does. That's what it will do. So you need to know this. You have to be willing to fight the good fight of faith. God will help you or you are not alone. He's going to be with you. You're going to, it's going to be with you. But let me tell you something. You know why this is important. I mean, apart from the obvious reason, it's better for you to just stick with the word of God, stick with God. Let me also tell you this. I mean, if you put your trust in science, which is okay. I mean, you can use drugs. You can use all those things. What about when science fails? What are you going to do then? I've lived many years I'm sure if I had to check my body with a doctor and all of that, they probably have said, oh, you had, this is this, this is this. No, I don't, even, I don't even go to. The last time I went to the hospital will be in um, 2019. And why? I had to check my blood pressure. My BP, and they checked it, and it was okay. I didn't look okay. I mean, I was. I mean, I don't know how to say, but I wasn't feeling okay. I just okay. Let me. I mean, come on. I've never. I've not been to the hospital in a long time. So let me just do this. I mean, you know, let me just find out. And I took it, and it was perfect. Perfect BP perfect they were surprised like whoa really yeah because i live on the word of god i get tired sometimes sometimes i i, I overextend myself yeah and because of that i have to rest so you have to get to the point where you use the word of god you have to be deliberate about this and it comes to Listen, if you are born again, you are a member, you are a rich member of the richest family in existence. Now, listen to me. You, You probably didn't hear me. You are a rich member of the richest family in existence. God's family. God's kingdom. You are rich now. The only thing that you need to change is your mindset. Yeah, that's the only thing. It has nothing to do with your work. You might be you might be selling shoes. You might be selling water. If you get your mindset right, there's nothing you won't be able to do. No project that will be too expensive for you. Nothing. Okay. So I just thought I should quickly get this out there. You need to be willing to learn to fight the good fight of faith. Get practical, people. Get practical. Get practical. Read the word of God. Read it so much that you memorize it. It's good. Get it into your heart. It's better. After doing this or why doing this, 
check your life and see is there any area I my life, my experiences fall short of what the word of God says. Then be determined to get your life to align with the word of God. That's it. You start where you are. Trust me, it won't take time. It will transform everything about you. God bless you. Thank you. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this one's listening to this podcast. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their homes, their families, uh, their cities, the nations. I thank you, Lord God, because your power is at work in them. Even right now, everyone at the sound of my voice is under the power of God Almighty, under the power of Yeshua, Jesus. So I pray for them right now. I pray that anything that will not allow them to believe the word of God be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. I command the veil to be consumed with fire in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, people. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We have a program coming up on the 7th of August. So I'm in preparation mode, but I just thought to get this out there now. That's why I'm not bringing out so many, um, so many episodes right now. I'm actually preparing for the program. You should be there. You should, you should join us. Go to our website. You'll find directions there and, uh, come prepared. I promise you, if you come there, and you come there with your faith, your life will be changed. Your life will be changed forever. It's so simple. Just believe. God bless you. Thank you.